the Cleveland Guardians just keep winning. They win 11-4 today. That magic number is shrinking to 14. We're going to get into the matchup tomorrow. We are going to talk about the win today. And I know some people don't like talking offseason. We're going to save about two minutes at the end for a little bit of a fun idea that was inspired through some Twitter, Twitter interactions today. All on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. I also want to take a moment, and if this is your first Lockdown Guardians, as we approach episode 800, how close are we now? I should probably go look that up. But while we do that, I want to take a moment and tell you, I'm Jeff Ellis, as you can read in the corner if you're watching this on YouTube, host of Lockdown Guardians. This is episode 797 of Lockdown Guardians. I... Before this, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout and 24-7. And before that, I wrote mainly an Indians baseball insider, but you could pretty much find my work anywhere if a Cleveland blog existed. I had something appear for some period of time on it. Um, so let's talk about the game today. Sam Hench's first save of the year. A little bit surprising. Man, has he been good. Talk about watching. Listen, I like to watch the out-of-town broadcasts. One... Uh, I think it's good to get an outside view. And two, it's just interesting to see the things you don't pick up, like finding out that Henches had the best ERA of any reliever in the second half. Uh, can I make my one little complaint this year about the broadcast? I know I've had many complaints about the broadcast. But just more, not even the broadcast. This has nothing to do with the broadcast. Just seeing all these teams this year that have done all these great things, showing like, guys getting an out like and we keep hearing about how Andy Tracy keeps like tricking guys and you know kind of being funny about the promotions Cleveland's had 15 players make their debut this year by the way co-host alert he wanted to come up and talk about this 15 players they haven't done anything special for these guys no big announcement videos none of the fun that like every other organization is doing some better than others and instead our focus was on mustard getting demoted come on like let, let's just spend some time on this great young core and start marketing your young stars of tomorrow and listen mustard is my favorite condiment don't at me i'm sorry that's my take as a kid i was known to eat a mustard sandwich i i know i just lost subscribers and listeners and i apologize for that right now i love mustard i'd rather have great call-up videos seeing these guys emotions like gaddis like curry uh, you know, like Quan, it's being the year. And even if you're like, okay, Quan was the beginning of the year before this became a thing, it's become a thing now. What about Carlos Vargas, the latest guy? Vargas is probably going to get sent down before he makes any appearances, but still, it'd be nice if they followed because they're really cool to watch. Uh, it's a really cool thing that teams are doing. And it's the annoyance where you see some of the cool things that certain teams do, and you're like, man, why is Cleveland not there doing that? Uh, let's get into the game, though. That's my one rant am i insane what are your thoughts make sure to hit me up on my twitter at jeffmlb drafter comment in the youtube i respond to all comments uh down there today's game if you want to harass me about a med feel free what a game for him i he 
on top of being, you know, a, a plus runner and having great contact skills, he is just a twins killer. Like This is a guy who had been in such a bad slump. We talk about the ups. We talk about the downs with him that those happen. At the end of the day, he is what he is. He's an above average bat, a below average glove. That's fine. He is a starting shortstop. I don't know if he's a top 10. Is he a top 12 to 15? No doubt. <laughs> Gives him additional value to Cleveland. It's just, man, he seems to, to just really like facing the Twins. Who reached base twice in this game? Well, you know, Quan had two hits. Ahmed had two hits. Jose had two hits. Uh, Naylor had two hits. Jimenez had two hits. Straw had two walks. And then, let's see, after that, uh Freeman had one hit, Maley had one hit, Noscar had one hit. Was there any hit batters in this one? Uh, just Naylor on the Guardian side of things. So Cleveland had five walks, and again, that's one of those things where Straw brings his value. They have five walks, two of them to Straw. Uh, and we'll maybe talk about him. The interesting thing with Miles Straw is if you go and you look at his month-by-month data, because I feel like I have to keep defending this dude. Uh, you look at July when he had a BAPIP around 300. For his career, it's been 300. And I know I had someone be like, well, isn't BAPIP like lower for guys? No, actually, BAPIP is typically higher for speed guys. Uh, Juan Pierre, who might be the weakest hitter in the history of baseball, had a 312 BAPIP for his career, including this terrible year where Straw is batting 255 and it's really his, um, you know, one of his most at-bats he's had in a season, his career BAPIP is still over 300. He is in an anomaly of a year. That one month July where his BAPIP was 300, he had 95 runs created plus. If you add that to his defense, he's a three-war player, and you just, you're happy and you move on. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but for the same reasons, I was very foolish to doubt that at the beginning of the year that Ahmed was going to rebound. I think it's a little bit silly to focus on the negatives, especially when, again, Straw seems to have turned it around. Another strong game for him. But you have the five walks, the one-hit batter, the 14 hits, and the two errors. That's 22 opportunities. Should be about seven to eight runs. They had 11 today. Uh, It was, you know, like I said, it was a home run parade. You had three in this one, and very unlikely ones. Like, I get Ahmed is up to 11 now, and I feel like three or four in this month was like three against the Twins alone. Um Naylor has definitely slowed down. That home run rate has kind of cratered in the second half. And Maley has actually not been playing very well of late. He's another guy who's been incredibly streaky. Not the guys you necessarily expect, but hey, it works. How about two triples? One to Straw, one but to Quan, and then Naylor also had a double in this one. So you're talking six extra base hits. The other side of things, one walk. Kind of impressive, though they did manage ten hits, and they had two hit batters, so... It's, you know, like two additional walks. That's 13 opportunities. That should be four to five runs. They got four. Cleveland wins this one. Quantrell, you know, not his strongest. Let's be honest. This really wasn't. Five and a third innings, nine hits, one walk. That means 10 base runners and a little more than five innings. Only two strikeouts. He was hittable, but luckily he just wasn't hit that much. Sandlin, uh... He gave up one earned run in this one on one hit. It, it's, you know, an unusual thing to see in one and a third innings to to give up that earned run, and it's not a home run. Henches comes in and pitches two and a third innings to get the save. It's, I think it speaks to a lot about how much confidence they had in Carlos Vargas that he didn't appear. They're up 11-4. to four. 
Let's burn henches for two and a third innings instead of letting Vargas pitch an inning before he gets demoted. That that really, to me, was one of those things where I'm like, he's not ready. He was called up as a just-in-case. And on top of all of everything else that happened in this game, the number of stolen bases. Straw with his 18th. Ahmed had two to get to 16. Jose with his 17th. Four stolen bases. Uh, when they saw old friend Sandy Leon back there, they, I mean... Multiples were off Gary Sanchez as well, but Sanchez and Leon, oof, Cleveland was merciless with that. Uh, with the win, again, that knocks the Twins to below 500. It puts them seven games back, and essentially it's seven and a half. You put a fork in the Twins, I feel like you kind of have to. I What a disappointing season from where it started. It's the thing, like, Correa is going to opt out again. He was good this year, but was he like a star setter? No, not to me, not in my humble opinion. Uh, you know, he'll get money on the open market again, but I, I just wonder. Uh, and part of me like almost wishes he wouldn't opt out. Like the Twins need pitching so much more than they need hitting. They have some interesting young infield prospects. I'd almost rather they keep him then uh, have that extra money to go attack the pitching market for uh, you know that's just my thoughts on the twins but yeah rough stretch for them it's essentially now the White Sox and let's say Cleveland could somehow manage to sweep the White Sox I don't think that's going to happen let's be honest but that magic number could be eight Uh, you know I kind of got into it with my buddy who's an agent today online uh where he was talking about, hey, you know, when the White Sox sweep this series, I'm like, I, I don't see how you're, how, how you can think the White Sox are going to sweep. Like Cleveland, I, Cleveland's playing well, and the White Sox are playing, you know, pretty well. But they also dropped a few games to the Tigers in there, which is not exactly uh, a high-powered team by a few. What one game, but still, it's the Tigers. We're going to take a break here. Come back, discuss this White Sox series. Talk about some pitchers that have been injured. And like I said, we're going to end with a little bit of a fun idea for this off season. So if that's not your thing, uh, last two to three minutes. Hey, thank you for watching. But we'll be right back to talk about the Chicago White Sox and some pitchers returning from injury. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experiences so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. Make sure that you finish strong, much like the Guardians this year, and the right team member to help get your team into your business's equivalent of the postseason. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find quality, qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MLB. That's linkedin.com slash MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So let's start with the injured guys. Plesak will throw a simulated game on Tuesday. He might be back to pitch. I know there's good people who are like, no, I don't want to see him the rest of the year because there's a lot of people who are just tired of him, including his agents, uh, who you know let him go. But 
listen, he's going to be useful in some form, way, or another uh, for this team. I get it. Morris has looked pretty good. And I am the the driver of the Morris bandwagon, as anyone who's listened to the show knows. I've been on Cody Morris. It's essentially his first year in the minors. I was like, these numbers cannot be overlooked. But I still think we'll see if Plesak makes it back or not. We do know Savale will be back tomorrow. He will be starting. We're assuming Vargas out, Savale in. We will see. And that's the game against Dylan Cease. So here's the thing. When they likely lose tomorrow, do not go all sky is falling. They've lost two in a row to the White Sox. It is a tough matchup tomorrow. And remember, the important thing is honestly just to take one of these three games. Because if they take one of these three games, it is a two-game lead that is really a a two-and-a-half game lead. And your magic number falls to 12. And then you have Texas. And then you have Tampa. And by the way, you're facing Tampa without facing... Uh, Rasmussen or McClanahan, who have been their best starters. Oh, and then you end the year against Kansas City, where you're not going to face you face Singer in one of those six games. Like the schedule really lines up for the Guardians. So as long as they win one of these games against the White Sox, you feel pretty good, and they they should win more than one. So let's just get into it right now. Let's talk about what is going on in terms of this overall team right now in this matchup against the White Sox. So I put up the White Sox data over the last month since essentially uh, I put it from the beginning of August, okay? So month and a half, really. Who's been good then? Eloy Jimenez has been absolutely on fire. Elvis Andrews, man, uh, (laughs) thanks, Oakland. Thanks a lot. Uh, They didn't want to pay him. They didn't want to risk him hitting a vesting option. They didn't want to deal with the headache. He's been worth 1.7 war and a 150 runs created plus. So if you're a Guardians fan, you can be kind of pissed. (laughs) Oakland letting him go really did the Guardians dirty. If he's not there, I, I mean, Cleveland might have run away with this. Because the White Sox didn't have a great other option at shortstop with Anderson essentially done for the year with injury. Instead, they, I mean, Elvis Andrews has been a huge component of this team since he has come over. Hugely valuable. I believe the second highest war of any hitter on that team since he has been added. Uh, Andrew Vaughn's been great with the bat, terrible with the glove. Jose Abreu, uh, same story. And then it kind of starts to sink. Uh, you know, Sheets has been a pretty solid contributor. Pollock has been averageish. Harrison's been averageish. Mancata is a little below average. Rondell is a little below average, but at least they're close. Luis Robert has dealt with some injuries, and he's been pretty poor. So let's get into this. Let's do our comparison. Let's go through position by position. If you are starting at the catcher position, Cleveland has played pretty much a split at that position this year. At the other side of things, the Chicago White Sox uh, have Grandel back there, who is their primary guy, and he is definitely coming to the end of a very strong career. After a lot of good years, he's been with, with negative war. The defensive value is okay. The runs created plus is a 71. If we go the other side of it, like I believe Hedges actually has a higher war because his defensive value is that much higher and his offensive value isn't too, too much. Now it's a 52, so he's worth... This is essentially... I'm going to give it a push because Grandel isn't enough to really bring value offensively. Uh, he's still a solid defender. Hedges is a great defender. The bat is not so much. 
Moving on to first base, Jose Abreu versus Josh Naylor. That has been Cleveland's primary first baseman, I believe. I always get confused if sometimes he plays more games at DH. No, it's been first base. This is advantage Chicago. Uh, Naylor, we've talked about, the second half has not been kind to him. He has definitely run into a bit of a wall, which is part of what happens when you miss a year after a gruesome injury and don't get a full offseason to rehab, build up strength, all that fun stuff. Going to second base, Andres Jimenez versus, let's see, their primary second baseman. This, is it still, yeah, it's been Rami Gonzalez. Advantage Cleveland, maybe the biggest advantage at any position in this thing is that one. So we're currently tied up heading to shortstop. Uh, Where again, Elvis Andrews has been really, really good. He's been excellent. And you go to the other side of things. Ahmed really struggled, but over the last week, he has been one of the best hitters in baseball facing the Twins. Is he at one of those unbelievable hot streaks? Is he going to be that guy who can really push this team forward? It's hard to say, but I, right now, with what Andrews has done, you compare the two over the last month and a half, it's, it's clearly Andrews. And he's the better defender of the two as well. So I'm giving that to the, uh, the White Sox. Third base... Jose is starting to look like the Jose of more typical. That is advantage Cleveland. Even though Josh Harrison, I think, has done a better job at third base than... Uh, or no, I'm sorry. That's right. I, Harrison is supposed to be the second baseman. Moncada at third base is just... It, it's been a down year. So we're completely tied up moving to the outfield. Uh, left field, Andrew Vaughn. Huge bat, no glove. Cleveland has Stephen Kwan, where the bat is not as good, but the glove is better. I'm going to lean into Quan in terms of overall value through the course of a year. Center field, Straw is playing better. And for the White Sox in center field, it's been mostly A.J. Pollock. Uh, a position that he is, you know, used to be a center fielder. He's more of a guy you want in left field now. So he's going to be a negative defender there. He has, for most of the year, been a below average bat. But he's been closer to average. Here's the thing. In 125 games, he has been worth 0.4 war. For as much as we all have our issues with straw, he has been worth 1.4 war. He's been worth a whole win more because of the defensive value. So now he's up to 1.5, by the way, with his play of late. So when you're just looking at that, it's straw. It's weird to say, right? Like, Barney wants to say push, but... If that's what you're looking at between those two positions, Straw has been more valuable to the team this year because the defense is that extraordinary. Moving on to right field, Oscar Gonzalez, and then on the other side of things for Chicago, their right fielder has been Gavin Sheets. Uh, Sheets is not very good defensively. That's their problem. Like Their outfield defense is kind of a mess right now. You definitely want to... You, Cleveland's offense might actually not be the right one. You almost want one that's going to hit in the outfield and see what happens. Gavin Sheets has a negative war this year. He's got a 101 uh, runs created plus, negative defense. Oscar Gonzalez has been better. He's got an above-average defender, above-average bat. So that gives Cleveland a three-spot advantage. You move to DH, Aloy Jimenez crushes the multi-headed monster of uh, mediocrity that Cleveland has at DH. So that gives Cleveland a two-spot advantage, though. You look at the bullpen, both very strong. I think Cleveland's is a little bit better. Hendricks, Graveman, 
Graveman hasn't been as strong of late. He's, uh, he's had some ups and downs. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. You're looking at guys like Diekman, Lopez, Bummer, who I kind of expected them to all perform a little bit more than they have this year. I think bullpen is advantage Cleveland. And then starting pitching matchups. Okay, first game is just undoubtedly when you're getting into it. Uh, Dylan Cease versus Aaron Savale. That's advantage Chicago. Uh, I had someone try to talk about how Cueto's been nails, and I'm like, listen, Cueto has been a very nice find for them this year, but he's still got you know a 394 FIP. He is a doesn't miss a lot of bats. Now he's he's given the Guardians some troubles this year, and he's kind of the type of guy anymore who does affect them. Uh, the 309 ERA is a little bit inflated relative to what he does. He doesn't miss any bats. Uh, which, you know, Cleveland doesn't either. You're looking at that ground ball percentage type of stuff. Against Bieber, that should be a strong advantage with as good as Bieber has been. So then the toss-up matchup in this one really comes down to McKenzie versus Lance Lynn. And Lynn hasn't been quite himself this year. He's been a little bit more long ball prone. He's also just getting up there. He's 35 years of age. Uh, I was kind of curious because the Chicago fans are saying that, you know, he's kind of on a tear of late. It's hard to say any starter is on a tear because it's it's kind of a short thing month to month. And honestly, okay, so September and October is he's got a 1.61 FIP. But during that time, September slash October, we're not that far in. Is that like two starts in September and October? Uh, it's 19 innings pitched. So, yeah, he's been good, but so is Tristan McKenzie. And I think right now McKenzie is the better pitcher. In my general view between the two of them, it's not to say Lance Lynn is bad, but I think Cleveland should be viewed as having the advantage in two of these three matchups. And that's what I would expect them to take, is two out of three against the Chicago White Sox. I know White Sox fans will disagree. Guardians fans, what do you think? We're going to take our break, uh, come back, and like I said, we're going to have some fun at the end with an idea for the offseason. Uh, we're going to talk the whole magic numbers of it all. Uh, and, you know, a few more little news and notes on today's Locked On Guardians. So I, I was like, did they lose one to the Tigers? You know what it was? It was in between that beating of Cleveland last week. They lost one to the Rockies, one to the Tigers on each side of that. So that's what I had in my mind. For the White Sox, they have this series against Cleveland. Then it is three more against the Tigers and three against the Twins, who are still going to, I think, be a team that is trying. I, I don't think it's like pack it in. Uh, they're going to fight to the very end. You don't get to the end of September almost and just be like, oh, I guess it's time to stop. Padres who are fighting for their lives and the Twins to end the season. That is significantly more difficult than Cleveland, which has, which misses the hard part of Tampa in terms of pitching. That's going to uh, get the Rangers the and the Royals for six to end the year. That's just, that is the advantage keeps on you know the gifts that keeps on getting getting giving and overall when i look at that the one scary thing is again being a longtime fan of this team the 2004 flashbacks i loved that team that was was that like sizemore's first season or second season it was like you're just getting really to enjoy guys like sizemore and pronk cc had been in you know kind of early into his career at that point i believe that was the year that they used like six starters the whole year I think that was the Millwood one. It was just kind of like this fun, magical year. And then they're chasing 
Were they chasing down the White Sox, maybe? Or trying to get, like, a, a wild card? I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was the wild card. And the Royals were bad, and the Royals rolled them. They couldn't get any offense together. And then they faced the White Sox, I think, to end it, who had nothing to play for. And they couldn't win anything. It was just, I'll have to pull it up at some point. When I, it's not going to be painful. It was... Uh, I, I just remember that because it was the, it was I, I graduated college with a history degree from Ohio State. Uh, big mistake, uh, history degree. Uh, sorry to anyone else who might have it, uh, but it was a lot of things going on in life, and it was a not so fun time. And boy, did I cling to that Guardians or then the Indians team, and just to watch that slow train wreck towards the end of the summer was was brutal. And one of those things I will never forget. Now, I know, what a bummer, what a way to end a show. So we're not going to, we're going to move on from that. And again, people are going to crap on this Guardians team. You know, I see all sorts of takes on it about this offense. Baseball isn't just offense. And yeah, the lack of power is something that affects them. But the high-level defense they have built, at most positions, they are plus or above average defensively. Base running. This is one of the best base running teams in baseball. Maybe the best bullpen in baseball. The one, two, three of their rotation is very strong. It's, yeah, we, we all focus on offense. Offense sells. But I think there is a, this team is a lot better in all the other secondary things. And by the way, pitching isn't secondary, but sometimes it feels that way. So I wanted to talk about something fun here at the end of the show. So we know this team struggles against lefties. They kind of need a better platoon bat than uh, Owen Miller. What about, uh, I want to read some baseball savant data. How about a guy whose defense at first base was 82nd percentile? Whiff percentage, 74th. Chase, 89th. Walk, 98th. And you're like, well, that sounds like this team a lot. He's not chasing, he's walking. K, 79th percentile. Yeah, definitely fits with this team. What about power? Well, Average exit, 81st. Hard hit percentage, 74th. Barrel, 60th. That's one of their worst. Expected slugging, 73rd. This sounds pretty good, right? What happens if I told you that player will probably be very cheap? You might be very confused. Like, okay, well, what about against lefties? What happens if I told you this year against lefties, their runs created plus is a 132? Versus righties, it's a 91, and that their slash line versus lefties is 247, 393, 382.775. And you're like, okay, so you're telling me this guy's going to be cheap? And I'm like, yeah, he'll probably be under 5 million. There will be some people who hate this idea. And the one downside to this idea of fun is uh, would he be used properly? But what about old friend Carlos Santana? Have you been paying attention since he went to Seattle? It's just interesting to look at him. He has been a big part of that team. He has been very useful in kind of this platoon role. And side note, he went to Seattle and his ground ball percentage went away because his launch angle, which was the last few three years, like it was 11 and 12.7 and 12.9, it's over 16. He's completely changed his launch angle and he's just hitting the ball harder and farther. Uh, still an above-average defender. Crushes lefties. If used properly, he's the ideal guy in that own Miller role. Why? Because he can platoon 
at first base if you need him to. He can spend some time. You know, he gives you he's a defensive replacement, honestly, over Naylor or White at that position. Because he's still a strong defender by outs above average. He he could be your your emergency catcher. He could do a lot of things. Now, yes, he is going to turn thirty seven before next season, but he just he continues to perform. Uh, it it might seem a little silly, but I think as long as you're not putting him in a role to be, you know, an everyday player, if you look at what Seattle has done for him this year and kind of that limited specialized role, I know there's going to be people like, he's batting 197. Again, he's a 101 runs created plus. He's been league average. That's better than Owen Miller by a significant margin. If you only have him playing lefties, and you also have him as a defensive replacement, and he's making two, three million, and he's not an everyday player, I'd be down for that. Like, it is exactly kind of the guy they need for that role, uh, where it's also there's no push to start. You know he's also a good clubhouse guy, uh, has friends in that clubhouse. There's a lot of advantages to the idea of a Los reunion. So when I saw, I have to, Quincy Wheeler brought this up on Twitter, so I wanted to give him the shout out for it. But, yeah, if Tito wouldn't play him all the time, he would be incredibly valuable. He he is a weirdly perfect fit for what this team could probably spend and what they kind of need as a incremental improvement that could be worth one to two wins in a year and really help a team that struggles against lefties. And for those who hate the uh, the hot stove chatter before the season ends uh, more viewed as just me being part of the carlos santana appreciation club i've been jeff ellis this has been locked in guardians podcast for today remember to rate and review download daily it helps please subscribe on the youtubes and as i end every show go go guardians go